Hey there! Our vision for Lakewood Vineyard is to be a place where you can reimagine faith in Jesus and have a fresh encounter with God. We aim to create a place where we can explore faith, discover authentic community, and go out and love our world together. Here's this week's message. As we continue on being together, I just wanted to take a moment to just say, well done. You're doing a good job. I think some of us feel like we're failing miserably at working at home, we're not as efficient, or we're trying to do our studies at home, and we're just not learning the way that we hoped, or we're trying to help our kids with their studies, feel like we're just terrible teachers, or um, we feel like we're arguing more in our relationships. Um, But I think what we need to hear, what maybe God would want to say, is that you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Most of us are trying our best, and that's all we can do is we adapt to this new normal that we're in. We're all adjusting to this new normal. And people are hopeful that some of these changes in the environment and the ways that we interact will stick around, that they could actually stay better. One environmental health professor in the US said this, most people I talk to and I agree that there's a pre-COVID life and our post-COVID life. And we're not gonna return to a new normal that we knew before. We may actually see some more permanent new behaviors incorporated into our daily life. In Kenya, maybe you saw this picture, but there was a photographer who lived in downtown Nairobi who was able to take a picture of Mount Kenya because of the less air pollution and smog. And normally you can't see it at all. People actually thought it was Photoshopped and fake because it was so clear. And he said this, he said, maybe one good thing that's come of this pandemic is that people have slowed down. And maybe after this, they might be able to imagine a different Nairobi, one with less traffic and less pollution, where you could see Mount Kenya every morning. In India, there's this same hope. Some residents joke that maybe the air would get so clear they could see God. And it isn't just the environment. I think for a lot of us, there's hope that some of these changes will become our new normal. Some of the things that are changing about the ways that we're living will actually stick. Now, there are some things that we are desperately hoping that will go back to the way they were and they will make our lives better, like seeing the people that we care deeply about, going to be able to interact with people more often. So many things that we're missing out on that are crucial to healthy and a full life we're missing out on. But some of the things that are changing, we're hoping will stick. Because for most people I've talked to, even those who have really experienced difficulties, whether it's a a job loss or even feeling ill, they're still also seeing glimpses of maybe there could be hope for their life being different after this. That they're getting a glimpse of a picture of life for themselves that could be better after all of this. Not just one that's being placed upon them because of stay-at-home orders or work at home, but one that they choose. I've heard things like, Uh, the possibility of slowing down in life overall, the possibility of more time with family or friends, greater intentionality that now they're having to do with Zoom calls or FaceTime or Google Hangouts, being more content with simple nights at home, which will help the budget, but also being more aware of the needs of others in their neighborhoods, getting to know their neighbors well, to be able to care for the needs of those in their communities, to knowing the elderly people on their streets, I know for me, I've been personally doing a lot of thinking about these kind of things, about the new normal, about these new rhythms that I want to form. I've been thinking and praying and reading, talking to my spiritual director, talking to friends. A lot of us are longing for a change. 
Our culture is longing for a change, but maybe we're just starting to realize that in our new present circumstances. Maybe this crisis is just bringing up feelings, is giving us words to realize that the way we've been living isn't sustainable. The pace, the hurry, the worry, the priorities, our relationship to our jobs, where we find our identity and our worth, the quality of our relationships with people and with God. When the stress comes, when crisis comes, we begin to see what really is at the center of our lives, the health of our souls even. All this season has done, I think, is given us language. We want a new normal. And more than that, we need a new normal than what we've been living even before this. And that's what Jesus came to bring over two millennia ago. He came to bring a new normal, a new way of living, a new life. And that's why we're going to begin a brand new series called New Normal, taking a look at the radical invitation that Jesus gives each one of us to follow him, not just to listen to him, but to follow him into this new way of living, the Jesus way. We're not just going to look at it. We're not just going to listen, but we're going to answer the question of how. How do we live in this new normal that Jesus wants to give us? He wants to bring us. So let me pray for us as we begin. Jesus, you are our teacher. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Would you show us how to enter in to the life you created us for, life with you, rhythms of life with you, God. Would you show us? Would you grant us your grace to hear and to catch vision for all the things that John you want to do in our lives? I am the way, in this the truth, season, and the life. This is a pretty popular time. verse, and I'm confident that you've you heard this one before. And most often it's quoted to state that Jesus is the only way to salvation, to wholeness, to forgiveness, to life with God, that Faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, faith in Jesus as Lord is the only way to God, to life. But there's more to Jesus being the way than only this, not more to our justification or our right standing before God or his incredible love for us. But when Jesus says he's the way, it's more than just what we believe or what we put our trust in, that Jesus actually came to teach us the way, his way, his new normal. Eugene Peterson, in this incredible book he wrote called The Jesus Way, and I'm going to reference this book quite a few times during our series, says this about John 14. The Jesus way, wedded to the Jesus truth, brings about the Jesus life. But Jesus as a truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. We cannot skip the way of Jesus to get to the truth of Jesus. But Jesus as a truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most evaded metaphor among Christians with whom I've worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. The way comes first. See, Jesus, when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, is a continuation of his invitation to us to follow him, to learn from him, to become his disciples. I've been watching this new series. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's on YouTube and there's an app. It's called The Chosen. I love it. If you haven't watched it yet, 
for me, it's the best Christian filmmaking TV uh, production I've ever seen. Um, but The Chosen, it's really great. But in this first season, it's all capturing the life of the people, the earliest followers of Jesus uh, and what their lives looked like before they met Jesus, but also their experience of him inviting them to follow him. Jesus, over and over again in the Bible, gives that invitation to follow me. It was an invitation to completely live their lives the way that Jesus did, to be with him, to become like him, to live like him, to live the Jesus way, his new normal. And Jesus actually describes what this way looks like, what it should feel like, and it's so different. It's so different from what other teachers would have taught during his time period, but also so different from the life that we live. And it's in Matthew 11, and I actually spoke on this passage about six weeks ago, um, and I said this then, and I'll say it again, that I love this passage in Matthew 11. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. People talk about life verses, and I don't know what the criteria is for a life verse, if you can have more than one, but this is one of my most favorite verses that I think captures God's heart for us. And I'm going to read it in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. It's Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. And Eugene Peterson pens it this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the Jesus way. It's the new normal that he's inviting us into, that he came to bring. But how? Well, Jesus says it in this passage. In this, he says, come to me. He says, get away with me. He says, I'll show you how. Walk with me. Learn. Keep company with me. And then learn again at the end. See, the way to living in this new normal that Jesus invites us to is simple. It's follow him. This doesn't substitute believing in him or trusting him, placing our faith and confidence in him. No, that's necessary. It's central. Why would we follow someone we don't trust or at least follow someone that we're not at least intrigued by or interested by? But this invitation, this picture of the life that Jesus invites us into maybe isn't what your life feels like. Maybe it's not what my life always feels like either. Maybe you're a Christian and you're saying, I think I'm following Jesus, but my life doesn't feel like that. My experience isn't like that. When we read that passage, we realize that we're pretty tired ourselves. We're pretty burnt out on religion ourselves. that we need rest. I want unforced rhythms of grace. Jeez, I don't even always know what that means, but just that phrase, I want unforced rhythms of grace is incredible. My heart longs for that. And I can relate to that feeling of saying, man, Jesus, I'm trying to follow you, but that doesn't feel what my life feels like. The NIV calls this picture of following Jesus his easy yoke. It's this invitation to an easy yoke, grace-filled rhythms of the Jesus life, the Jesus way, his new normal. And for me, just over the past few months, this light bulb has been going off for me that this invitation to rest isn't just an invitation to take it easy or to sit back, but it's an invitation to follow him and learn from him how he lived 
and how to live in the rest that he's offering. And we struggle to live this way. We struggled to experience this kind of life, this easy yoke, as the NIV calls it. Dallas Willard wrote another incredible book that you're going to hear me reference during this series called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And he was a philosophy professor at USC, but really he was known as a deep follower of Jesus, a master in guiding people to be deeply formed in their life with Jesus. And he says this about the secret of Jesus's easy yoke. He says, and in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as he lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle, following in his steps cannot be equated with behaving as he did when he was on the spot. To live as Christ lived is to live as he did all his life. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else does. Wow, that's challenging to me. That's convicting to me. Because Willard is saying the solution, the way forward on the way of Jesus to this life that Jesus offers of grace and of rest and of peace and of joy, of his presence, of a renewed life, isn't by asking just the question of what would Jesus do by wearing a bracelet on our wrist. Does anybody remember that? And they're great. It's a great idea. But the idea was to wear a bracelet that remind us reminds us to ask the question of what would Jesus do in difficult times and times where we questioned what was right or wrong. When the question of whether to treat someone with kindness or to lash out or to cheat on a test or cheat at work or to go too far physically with your girlfriend or boyfriend in high school, what you would do is you would look at your wrist and then remember what would Jesus do and it would help you make the right decision. And I'll be honest, for me, it never helped. Maybe that's an overstatement. Sometimes it helped. But in the most difficult decisions, it usually wasn't that helpful. And here's why. The secret to following Jesus, to living in this easy yoke, to living in the way of Jesus is to model his whole lifestyle. Because trying to make the tough decisions in the moment can be so difficult. To love our enemies, to rejoice with others when we're suffering, to show kindness to our spouse when they've hurt us, to not cut that corner at work, to not cheat on that test. It's hard. And if we only wait until those moments to model our lives after Jesus, it sometimes feels near impossible. It's a heavy weight instead of an easy yoke. And I think sometimes it's because we feel like Jesus' major emphasis, his priority, his focus is on us doing the right things in those public moments, in those moments when the press is on. And it's not that those moments don't matter. Jesus continued to love his disciples over those three years when he invested in them and they continued to misunderstand him, misquote him, mistake him, and eventually leave him. His continual love for them mattered. When Jesus was crying out to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, there's another way than dying on the cross. Let's do it that way. And the Father said, this is the way. Jesus saying yes. It was so central. It's so important. Those moments, those crucial moments matter. But we can only do that. Jesus could only do that because of the way he lived the entirety of his life. So we wonder why we can't do that. Why we can't be like Jesus, act like Jesus. We don't do what Jesus would do. But according to Willard, it's because the rest of our time and our days look like everyone else's. 
people who don't follow Jesus, people who don't want to live into that vision of the life that Jesus offers. But that shouldn't be a surprise, right? To quote John Mark Comer in his wonderful book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and that's another book you'll hear me reference, Three Great Resources. He says this, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. But we know this, right? This is not new information, not just in our faith, but in our life overall. See, every year, uh, Aaron and I, we try to plan a summer vacation or a beach vacation of some sort. And I always get this vision, this dream of working out enough, eating right enough, that I'll finally get the beach body uh, that I've always wanted. And I think of how much time I have, uh, months that I can do this. And I start that day with watching what I'm eating, maybe going on a walk or jumping on the elliptical. But the next day, we're talking about dinner and we're thinking about what we're going to have for dinner. And I do all the cooking. Of course, I could make something healthy that night. But then I remember that Angelo's in Lakewood, we want to support local and their pizza is so great. And uh, why not just order pizza in? And then the next morning, I figure, man, you know, probably what I need more than to work out this morning is just to get some extra sleep. That's probably what I need more than exercise. And so the vision slowly fades away, the dream of the beach body. And I'm like, well, last year was pretty fun on the beach, and so I don't really need to put the effort in to get the beach body that I was looking for. My blood pressure's still good. All the other vitals are good. I'm good. A picture of life on the beach wasn't worth the lifestyle change. It just wasn't worth the cost. At least that's what I decide. But we do this with Jesus, too. Sometimes, right? We do this in our faith. We see the life that Jesus offers, this new normal, this easy yoke, this life that he invites us into, and we wonder if it's worth it. Maybe the lifestyle that we have to choose isn't worth it. But if we remember back to Jesus's invitation of his easy yoke, his rest, his unforced rhythms of grace, this real rest, abundant life, fully alive life, If we remember back to this offer of a new normal, we realize we can't find it anywhere else. What Jesus offers, we can't find anywhere else because let's be honest, our current normal isn't working. It isn't working. But this way of Jesus, it's worth it. Taking the way of Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus is worth it. Because our current practices and lifestyles, they're not working. We get taste glimpses, visions of what can be, but they just seem out of grasp. Visions like Mount Kenya that's starting to be seen without all the smog. We start to get pictures, we start to get pictures in the moment. We begin to think that maybe it's possible. And it is. See, life is possible, and the Jesus way into it is this easy yoke. It's following Jesus in all of his ways, it's his lifestyle. See, because we aren't victims, we aren't prisoners, unable to break free. There is a way forward in following Jesus that brings the life that we're longing for, that brings the life that he promised to give. And it's following his lifestyle, his rhythms, because he says that he is the way, not a teaching he wrote down or even that he always spoke. It isn't an escape from difficulty or pain or from the world. We can't escape that. COVID-19 is happening to all of us. But Jesus' offer is a way to live a new normal. And he gives us tools to do that. The tools that he used to live the life that he lived. And that's what this series is all about. It's learning the tools, learning the ways of Jesus, 
the lifestyle of Jesus that, help, that can help us to live in this easy yoke, to learning these unforced rhythms of grace that can give us life. These tools, these practices have historically been called spiritual disciplines or spiritual exercises. Things like solitude and silence, simplicity, Sabbath or rest, serving in others. These tools that Jesus used, this way that he lived his life that enabled him to live the abundant life of intimacy with the Father. So we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at these. How did Jesus do them and how do we incorporate them into our lives? But next week, we're going to take that week to look at what Dallas Willard called the greatest enemy of our spiritual lives, hurry. So next week, we're going to talk about this great enemy of this life with Jesus, of the way of Jesus, and that's hurry. So I just wanted to spend a little bit of time today introing our conversation, our new series called New Normal. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. This invitation of Jesus to follow him. Thanks for joining us. We especially want to thank those of you who give generously to what God is doing through Lakewood Vineyard. If you'd like to give, click the link in the description or visit lakewoodvineyard.com give. If you enjoyed this week's message, you can subscribe to the podcast for more, share it with friends and family, and leave a review. If you post a screenshot of the podcast on your social media, tag us at Lakewood Vineyard OH. Thanks so much for listening and may God bless you this week.